1: Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna, alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And uh, in case you didn't notice, we are still snowed in in Nashville, Drew down in Orlando. And sometimes you write a script for a show and then they just write themselves. So at this point, 12-11 Central Time, former five-star Caleb Downs, consensus All-American as a freshman, He's in the transfer portal. Georgia seems to be the team to beat there. And then shortly after that, how about former five-star and number one offensive tackle in the 2023 cycle, Caden Proctor, also in the portal. How big of a hit is that for Alabama? Well, Caden Proctor started all 14 games. Caleb Downs, the nucleus in the face of that Alabama team, not even the defense, the entire team. So, Drew, one little thing. We started with Caleb Downs yesterday. I think we, we talked about Alabama, what this would be like for Kalen, uh DeBoer. Well, first things first, he's got his hands full as two of his best players and not just guys who only have one year of eligibility left, but guys that have multi-year eligibility jump in the portal. And just when you think think things couldn't get any worse with uh, the uh, departure of Caleb Downs, Caden Proctor follows shortly thereafter. The Tide still hanging on for dear life to a couple more guys. We'll see what happens with the likes of Justice Haynes and and maybe a few more. But Drew, your raw reaction to Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor in the portal this morning
0: this is like a new coach showing up to an nfl team right and the top rookies are now free agents unrestricted free agents or maybe they have a priority tag i I don't know they can match whatever offer there is out there um but it is uh i think it's concerning for your alabama because you said it cooper i mean if you probably made a list of all the guys there in tuscaloosa that you needed to retain i think the list starts number one caleb downs and then number two caden proctor and maybe you could positional value put proctor uh, ahead of downs but downs was the real deals uh sean alexander uh, freshman of the year, played the most tied for the or snaps for the Crimson Tide. We saw him almost come down with that insane interception to open up the Rose Bowl. And then Caden Proctor, yeah, there were some lumps early on. That's expected with a young offensive tackle, but by season's end, I mean, he was one of their top guys. I, you, there were some occasions where they would go tackle over, he would open up some lanes. Um, so concerning for Kalen DeBoer, but we were talking before we hit. Uh, go on this podcast, Cooper, you know, I think if you're an Alabama player, you have all the leverage. You can enter the transfer portal, right? You can renegotiate whatever deal you got going on. I I think if I'm an agent representing these guys, I would tell everyone just to enter to see what's out there and and then kind of twist the arm of the school. That's just the reality. We are in with college football.
1: There's so many different levels to this. When you look at, uh, uh, who? Who? What scope are you looking at it from, right? Are you Kalen DeBoer? Are you Kirby Smart? Are you just a fan of college football? He's trying to understand what's happening right now. And Kalen DeBoer obviously hired in the last week to replace uh, the greatest coach, uh, collegiate coach of all time in Nick Saban. We set it, the resume, six national championships, 10 SEC titles, 10 out of the 17 years that, that he was there in Tuscaloosa, number one ranked recruiting classes. And this is a roster that still ranks per the 24-7 sports composite talent rankings number one in the country now with Caleb Downs out with Caden Proctor out as well presumably you think about this on the other side Drew it, it's it's kind of like blood in the water and if you're Kirby smart not only do you have the chance to land a potential uh, top 10 talent I think pound for pound one of the best players in the country and Caleb Downs but you also have the opportunity to really grab a hold of the narrative as well right like who is the top dog in college football and before this past year, Georgia had won two consecutive national championships. They were buying for their third. This has so many different, uh, I would say, uh, ripple effects, unintended consequences. But if you're Georgia right now, I think this is a real chance to seize some momentum and talk about it if, if you compound the fact that a big part of the reason that Caleb Downs will potentially end up in Athens. It also has to do with Kirby Smart removing a close friend on his staff in the defensive secondary, and Will Muschamp putting him off the field, which makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. We'll get into that in a second. And then going getting T. Rob Tavarez Robinson uh, from Alabama, making him your co-DC. It's a little bit of three D chess here. So not only are they potentially landing one of the best players in the country, but I think this kind of moves the needle from a thirty thousand feet big picture standpoint as well. If George is able to pull this one off.
0: Well, who's the guy that got away? Uh, In the 2023 cycle, it was Caleb Downs uh, and it was Justice Haynes. Remember, after Kirby Smart won the national title two years ago, the first school he flew the Kirby Copter to, uh, it was Mill Creek for Caleb Downs. They tried and they tried and they tried, but Nick Saban won out in the end. So you're right. Uh, We talked about those uh, recruitments and getting them in the secondary recruitment. This would be big for Georgia and Cooper. Um, let's say Caleb Downs ends up at Georgia, right? It seems like there's there's some smoke there. Uh, I think if we had betting odds, the Bulldogs would would be the clear cut favorite to get Caleb Downs. You know, Matt Zinnitz, all those guys have done an excellent job, kind of of setting the stage for what is going on right now. And heck, by the time people are listening to this podcast or, or watching this show, Caleb Downs could already be um, announced to Georgia. Uh, Georgia, let's say Caleb Downs joined them. In 2024, they could field a starting 11 on defense, um, and every guy would be a 24-7 sports five-star from the 2021 cycle and on. Not surprising, I guess, maybe, just given how Kirby Smart has built that roster. Uh, But (laughs) to my eye, it's like, whoa, especially when you toss into the fact that Georgia's lost some guys to the transfer portal. Marvin Jones Jr. went to Florida State, A.J. Harris to Penn State, and Island Green to Purdue. Those guys were all five stars. But Cooper, this would be kind of your, your back seven. Uh, C.J. Allen, not a five star. Raylan Wilson, five star. Could be Justin Williams, our number one ranked linebacker. And the secondary, Dalen Everett, five star. Uh, you got Julian Humphrey, Daniel Harris, two four-stars. We've raved about Ellis Robinson, uh, our number three-ranked player in the 2024 cycle, already enrolled. That's a five-star corner. But the secondary in terms of those safeties, Joan Aguero, your nickelback, Caleb Downs, Malachi Starks. That's the number one-ranked safety, the number two-ranked safety, uh, and the number one athlete in the country. And then, obviously, they got pass rushers. Michael Williams at the edge, um, Ingram Dawkins, Jordan Hall, Nazir Stanley. Stackhouse, I mean, that would be – we always see the graphics of Alabama's defense from a few years ago and with all the NFL logos next to the guys and, and where they ended up got, getting selected. But on paper, I mean, I, that might be the ta- t- most talented defense ever.
1: Yeah, pretty good. Um, I, I don't know if there's ever even been a hypothetical whisper of uh, one program putting uh, an 11 out – That would be all five stars or guys, even in that realm. You think about that, the thing that really kind of stuck out to me, how about the trio of Malachi Starks and Caleb Downs uh, and KJ Bolden and not to mention Aguero, who was knocking on the door of five-star status just a year ago as well. So you think about the versatility, the way that they can move these guys around, attack opposing offenses as well. It's pretty crazy. And not to mention, if there was a program out there that's been recruiting the point of attack in the front seven better than anybody in the country, especially the second level, It's been Georgia. So the fact that you can just casually add a guy like Caleb Downs uh, to that is pretty remarkable. Drew, let's flip back to Alabama a little bit. There's some of this that was expected. I think when Kalen DeBoer took over for Nick Saban, I think that was the expectation. I don't know who you could have hired, maybe two or three guys, Kirby Smart himself maybe a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, maybe a guy like Dan Lanning, that you wouldn't see these type of defects uh, from a roster uh, as rapidly as we've seen it. But if you're Kalen DeBoer, I mean, what what is the outlook here? Let's just call it over the next week, right? Because there are a couple of high-profile names that are flying off the board uh, as we speak. And, and Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor already this morning. There have been some whispers about guys uh, like Justice Haynes, uh, too, uh, and we all know it's kind of a domino effect, but if you're Kalen DeBoer right now, what is the game plan really for, hey, Wednesday, January 17th to the 24th, what do we got to do to keep this roster intact?
0: All right, you're meeting with the players, right? And you might know a little bit better than me uh, having been on the personnel side, but it's not like exit meetings. They're kind of more of introduction meetings. Hey, you know, we would like for you to stick around. I think what says a lot Uh, T-Rob right I mean we saw uh, DeBoer make a run at at Tavares Robinson to to get him to come in and run in the defense and I think that's kind of a we need a familiar face in the building who is going to uh, pitch and relay our message and and the reality is um, we've discussed it I mean how many of those guys on Alabama's roster were recruited by Kalen DeBoer. I mean, he has not been in the, in the footprint. Um, So it's you introducing uh, and trying to get these guys to believe in you Uh, more so, you know, Hey, you saw me in the national title, but this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm about. And I think it's a, it's a really, really difficult position, especially, you know, with the route he has gone, Um, in terms of assembling his staff a lot of guys he's bringing with him from Washington uh, some people that you know weren't in the SEC sitting in the living rooms right hosting these kids on junior day so it's it's a new face coop I mean if if me and you uh, all of a a sudden got a new boss at 24-7 sports I think I think we would have some
1: questions as well you, are, are you hitting the portal? If some member happens to our boy, Adam Stanko, is that what you're saying right now? Implying that? Yeah, I, I think I'm contractually
0: locked in. I, I don't know. You know, I got my NIL deal. So I got to talk to the collective.
1: Yeah, we got to figure out that 30-day window thing. Um, you know, the other part about this that was interesting, I was just on with Emily Proud and, and John Talty, who covers uh, Alabama for Bama 247, does a remarkable job, by the way, and, and been tracking everything that's uh, happened since Caitlin DeBoer has been brought over from Washington to the departure since that time. He was talking about, hey, there, in, in years past, maybe in the last uh, two or three years or so, there's been uh, really kind of inside the walls of that Alabama program Uh, common knowledge of saying, hey, there is some potential opportunities that we've been able to work out with our roster because of the benefit long term of playing for a guy like Nick Saban and his uh, track record of developing 49 first round draft choices that maybe one or two other coaches in the country really kind of have that advantage That is not going to be the case in terms of the hometown discount of these guys coming to say, you know what, I'll put a little money to the side. I'll sacrifice that in the short term, but the long term gain is more important to me. Kalen DeBoer does not have that advantage. That advantage is out out of the window. You and I were talking about the parity in the game now and what that Alabama logo means. It certainly carries a lot of weight, but now more than ever, the game is more transactional than it's ever been. So you see guys like Caden Proctor hit the portal. I think the other thing is we saw this with Lance Hurd in LSU, right? It seemed like a guy who had a comfortable future carved out for him, the former five-star. He hits the portal. And guess what? Somebody's going to pay top dollar for Lance Hurd, like the same they're going to do for Caden Proctor and Caleb Downs, right? A lot of money being thrown around for some of the best players and, and rare players to hit the market. So that is the name of the game, Kalen DeBoer. It's like that meme, right, of uh, who's our guy, Childish Gambino, or whatever his name, walks into the living room, it's on fire, he's got the pizza boxes, right? That's kind of what Kalen DeBoer is dealing with right now. He's going to have to find a way to really kind of uh, stabilize that program over the next couple of weeks. And, Drew, that's that's kind of the word that I think about. If you're Kalen DeBoer, just find a way to get on level footing over the next couple of weeks. So a lot of Alabama talk, uh, as you would probably expect this time of year, some – notable departures uh that aren't common uh this time around and obviously that started with nick saban uh and the ripple effects that he has caused so for all of the needs that you need recruiting needs and college football recruiting needs as well you can find right here on the 24 7 sports youtube channel you can find the oyster boys right here every tuesday and wednesday at five o'clock eastern time guys if you are locked in right now especially on the chat make sure to like and subscribe that helps us out tremendously drew Talked a lot about the portal, uh, and there's still a couple names left on the board when we talk about the high school ranks as well. One of my favorite conversations I think we can generically have. We have a bucket of players. We can go anywhere here, and I'll tee you up on this. But there's still a couple of guys that didn't sign in the December signing period. They're waiting until that February, that first week for the second signing day or whatever you want to call it, traditional signing day. But a lot of guys out there that can still, uh, I would say, move the needle for some programs so drew i'll just start off the top who's your favorite bpa candidate out there right now
0: your guy terry bussey right he's out at the polynesian bowl you read greg biggins blair angulo brandon huffman they have coverage from the islands jealous that they got that assignment cooper i'm sure you're <laughs> super jealous with you uh walking around your house in pajama pants you could it could be in a bathing suit <laughs> out, out in hawaii right now but no terry bussey i mean guy that was on the freaks list we saw him At the Under Armour All-America game, I mean, honestly, one of just kind of the top humans I interacted with all all week long during check-in, you know, I said, hey, are you going to play offense? Are you going to play defense? He says, I can play whatever. Uh, and then he, and then he had a toss in the fact that he had scored 33 points, uh, on the hardwood the night before, before he got on the plane and, and flew to Orlando. I'm like, not many kids in this, uh, in this ballroom can say that, but, uh, we, I think we've teased it on this show. Uh, it has since been reported, you know, he's going to take an official visit to Georgia. We just went over kind of all those guys on, on defense, um, for, for the Bulldogs, but, Hey, if Terry Bussey is going to UGA, I'm all for him playing offense because it's going to be hard year one, year two to crack that rotation uh, on the back end. So he's the one. Uh, Hudson Standish, you know, he has long championed Terry Bussey on the scouting team. He was telling us what yesterday in one of our calls that he thinks LSU is a team to watch. I also get super kind of jazzed up and excited about that when you think about the new look defensive staff there in Baton Rouge. Blake Baker coming over from Missouri, Corey Raymond coming back in the secondary. I mean, I like Terry Bussey on defense. I get it. Everyone else thinks he's a guy that's on offense, but uh, he's someone that could come in right away and I, help, uh, you know, I think help shore things up on the back end, and then obviously you got Texas A&M. You know, Mike Elko just picked up a commitment from former five-star corner des Rick's uh, in the transfer portal. So, uh, a ton of different uh options to me. Uh, you know, one where I think we're going to be sitting on set Wednesday, January seventh, and it, someone's getting a, a a difference maker and a guy that can play early.
1: Yeah, I think we heard from our good friend Hudson Standish that. Uh, You know, we're talking about that Georgia visit kind of raised some eyebrows for us. And he said, you know, I think a lot would have to have to happen for him to end up at Georgia. The fact that Georgia is getting a visit means that Georgia is in there, right? That's the other thing about that. Drew, here's what I want to bring up about Terry Bussey that I I like the fact that you kind of pointed it out. You talked about the person, right? And when I was asked about Caleb Downs earlier this morning and what makes Caleb Downs, Caleb Downs and what makes him rare. I mean, you can go off on a tangent of different tangibles of what makes Caleb Downs special, but really at the end of the day, it's about the person and raving about the person. And and I'm talking about like the football character, right? And you kind of look at, uh, all right, what are some commonalities in the two guys that we're talking about? I would say both those guys, three phase players and Caleb downs and Terry Bussey coming out of high school, respectively. You look at Terry Bussey multi-sport background as well willing to do whatever it takes, right. When it all costs type of players, I would put both Caleb downs and Terry Bussey in that category. So you talk about a special player and a guy humility standpoint that tells you, Hey, it doesn't matter what side of the ball I'm going to play at. Ultimately I'm going to be successful in whatever I got to do to help my team is what I'm going to do now. Here's what I think about Terry Bussey. I think he's going to end up playing offense, whether it's at Georgia, whether it's at LSU, whether it's at, at A&M, we'll see what happens with him. But the fact that you got a choice to do that is pretty special and it says a lot about the athlete. Drew, how about this one for for me? I'm going to stick with the receivers, if you want to call it that. How about Ryan Williams, man? I mean, one of the best in the country, number three receiver right now, number 10-ranked player out of the state of Alabama. And this is a guy who's committed to Alabama for a long time, reclassed from 25 to 24, did not sign in December. Uh, and it seems like it's all been Alabama, Auburn, um, Alabama getting another OV, Auburn getting an OV here, Texas, LSU going to take their swings as well. I think he's one of the best players in the country, hence the category of BPA. But think about what this dude could do for a program like Auburn. We just raved about Walker White and what we saw from him in San Antonio. Now you think about the idea of a a Ryan Williams, a a Cam Coleman, a Perry Thompson, a Malcolm Simmons, a Bryce Kane. I mean, that is five deep of all. Maybe three of those guys uh, have legitimate chances to go in the top uh, 32 to 50 uh, at the next level. And that's not something I'm typically comfortable saying uh, when they're still seniors in high school. So Ryan Williams, to me, man, you talk about guys that could like change the perception of what a program is going to be offensively. That's the dude for me.
0: Who, who would be the biggest luxury, right? Like Texas getting him kind of, it would be all right. Uh, you know, John, they cook uh, Isaiah bond um, who else? they also added Silas Bolden via the transfer portal. Like, I don't think Texas is the school that necessarily needs Ryan Williams. And I think with Auburn, you rave about that wide receiver hall and and what are the tigers calling uh ryan williams kind of the uh, X- infinity stone is that is that the uh and the, the Freeze right. five I, I know is a nickname
1: right yeah the infinity stone is the other one you don't seem like a marble guy but yes the infinity I, stone
0: i am not a marble guy <laughs> you, you caught me red-handed there uh but he, he kind of i mean look at washington's playoff run right? I Me and you discussed this when we were in San Antonio. I think we were flying out there and I I asked you, you know, what what makes off that, that Washington offense click? And it's hey, you got to cover four really good wide receivers. And I think if you're Auburn, it's just potentially putting Uh, Another another guy that not only can create separation uh, in his route, but also after the catch and you're going to pair him with with Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, who's a a bigger type. And then you got Malcolm Simmons, Bryce Kane, kind of more in that 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 speedster slot role. Um, It it would unlock some things. And we saw Walker White, his deep ball in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. It would fire me up about the direction uh, of that offense for the Tigers. So, no, I think uh, I think you could make a case he is the BPA over over Terry Bussey, just w- where we are kind of in football, passing league. Uh, guys want to air it out, and he is someone that even though he's 16 years old, I mean, he looks like the real deal.
1: Two of the most dynamic players in the country right there. I just mentioned Terry Bussey and Ryan Williams. Drew, we could stick with the receiver theme, but is there another player on your mind that maybe kind of uh, inches up in this category?
0: What about Noah Carter? Uh Washington signee. I mean, me and you were texting back and forth this morning. Signed with Washington out of Arizona. Uh, a guy we moved up into the top two, four, seven, was at the All-American Bowl, dominated one of the practices, you know, isn't maybe the longest cat, uh, but he can get to the quarterback. He can bend, go speed to power uh while running the arc and Side with Washington, but he tweeted out an Alabama offer. It, like I don't even know if that's legal. Now that I think <laughs> about it, normally you have to get released from your national letter of intent to be back out on the market. Uh, but obviously, he has ties to that staff that was there in Seattle. There, are, all those guys are there in Tuscaloosa. So to me, uh, you know, he's one where I've always kind of wondered why more of those West Coast teams hadn't prioritized him. I think he kind of uh, backed that up in San Antonio based on what we saw that eye test, how he how he performed, not only in practices in the game. So, you know, is it Alabama, assuming he gets out of the paperwork out of his signature or does some of these other schools get involved? And let's not forget Jed Fish bringing his or a good chunk of his staff from Arizona to Washington. Uh, You know, Noah Carter was a guy that was in state for them.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Didn't really think about that. The other point that comes to mind is, you know, it's a late offer for for Alabama and I don't mind it, especially when you think about the attrition uh, that they've been dealing with over the last couple of days uh, since De DeBoer has arrived. But you think about that room, Drew. I mean, it, like, think of this. Keon Keeley, the guy that we had ranked in the top five last year, the number one edge rusher in the country, barely even played. Right. And then you think about Yonsei Pierre, another five star as well. So, What Alabama has in that room is an extremely, extremely high standard. It's going to be interesting to see. For me, that's kind of the biggest question is like Nick Saban, Alabama program was so relentless to their standards. They knew what an Alabama player looked like, felt like, executed like on Saturdays. What's that going to be like for Kalen DeBoer? Is there going to be a little... um, you know, is there going to be some give there when it comes to the standard or their player? Is there going to be hey, you know, we'll we'll take some uh, players with more developmental upside that might take a little bit more season, but we feel confident with our staff, right? So that's going to be interesting. And and listen, with guys like Kirby Smart, guys like uh, Lane Kiffin, you can go down the list, Mike Norvell, Billy Napier, making life a lot more difficult uh, in the coming days and, and months ahead. For Kalen DeBoard, it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts there, but a late offer out for Noah Carter, a very good player, and would be a very good pickup for Alabama nonetheless. Coop, Drew, back to – yeah, go can ahead.
0: I, can I tack on there? So I think what you're saying, right, is like Noah Carter isn't Dallas Turner.
1: What I'm saying is is that there might be two programs in the country that have a ungodly expectation of what a 3-4 jack outside linebacker should right. look like. Right. And that's Alabama and Georgia. And, you know, those two might be the only schools battling it out for these six or seven players that actually fit them, right? We just raved about Kirby Smart and his front seven and what he's got coming down the line. Uh, You think about guys like Jalen Walker and DeMond Wilson and and Marvin Jones who just hit the portal because there might not be enough snaps for him, right? He's going to Florida State. That's what I'm saying. That's what you're competing with. And I'm not not knocking on Noah Carter. I'm just saying you're in the 1% of the 1%. At least that's what it's been. Is that what it's going to be moving forward? I don't know. Right,
0: right. You're you're getting tier A, right now. Now maybe you got to go top of tier B a little bit, which is fine. Those are still great players, but that hasn't been kind of the standard there in,
1: in the past. Right, you're shopping at Whole Foods. Uh, now you might have to shop at Publix. You know, at least how my wife looks at the steak section. You know, no, no, knock on Publix. Love, love Publix. By the way, <laughs> Drew, for me, how about Gatlin Bear, dude? I mean, I I love this guy. Got to see him in San Antonio along with the rest of us. I thought he really impressed during the week. Had a little bit of a tough game, but in terms of a guy acclimating from the state of Idaho with some of the best players in the country, I I didn't think he had an issue at all. So you think about some of the best players in the country left on the board, currently ranked number 36, four spots outside the top 32, the number 10 receiver and an absolutely loaded receiver class. He's got the 10-1-8 to his name decorated track and field background michigan oregon i want to get ahead of the curve here like a lot of people have thought gatlin Bear to michigan's kind of a done deal what happens if jim harbaugh goes to the nfl he's already interviewed with the chargers in the atlanta falcons true in the next couple of weeks that could then just pop open the door for dan lanning and then once again it's just that caliber of player just falls in his lap I wish Gatlin
0: wasn't going on uh, that mission trip, right? Because I, I don't know, it was on 24-7 Sports uh, front page, Cooper, on Tuesday. I mean, it was kind of projecting Michigan's too deep for the 2024 season on offense. And they're losing a lot of individuals, obviously, to the NFL draft. Uh, they need some help at wide receiver. And I think Gatlin Bear kind of gives them maybe something that they don't, have in terms of like a bigger body that can go and get vertical i remember roman wilson off uh, to the league i think he's going to be in the senior bowl so uh, i i think you know michigan would make a ton of sense and i thought from a player development standpoint i've always thought gatlin bear in ann arbor uh with with what that strength program has done how they've coached those guys up that is his best chance to succeed uh but you're right i mean what happens with jim harbaugh and him continuing to be linked to the NFL jobs, uh, Oregon, you know, they have recruited the transfer portal extremely well at the wide receiver position. I'm still waiting for one of these high school guys, um, that they've reeled in in recent years to kind of break through. I mean, remember Kyle Casper, uh, a reclass from a few years ago, another freaky athlete he's played limited minutes. Uh, we, who was it Ashton Cozart transferred out, um, so Gatlin Bear is going to have an interesting decision. And to, to to follow up what you said about him in San Antonio, I think he was bigger than we thought he was. And him as a route runner, man. I mean, you know, for a guy that doesn't play uh, year-round football, a ton of seven-on-seven, seven, I thought he was crisp, and I thought he was polished in that department.
1: Yeah, Jury on Dickey as well, right? A guy that we had ranked as a five-star in the top 32 last year, still waiting for him to emerge. The, the Ducks, I would say, are in a very uh, – luxurious position as they seem to be at uh, a lot of positions across their roster drew a couple more names as well. How about Dominic Kirk's man from Ohio was committed to Washington ends up decommitting after Kalen DeBoer goes to Alabama. Now, Ohio state has a crystal ball there. He's kind of a pretty interesting uh, 90 outside defensive lineman, high octane, high effort. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Columbus in a couple of years. All right. This is a guy that uh, could make some, make some waves there.
0: Yeah, it's kind of wondering, you know, like, why wasn't Ohio State in on him earlier? And I think it goes back to kind of my theory, right, you know, <laughs> early in the night at the bar, you know, some of these options might not be number one for you, but you get closer to closing time and all of a sudden they're a lot more attractive. And and for me, Dominic Kurtz, I thought he, what he put on tape as a senior was encouraging uh, and Cooper in Cooper, and especially in this player movement era give me big functional athletes right that have that word you just said a little bit of a motor so now I I think Dominique Kirks is a guy you you stash him on the roster he's got the size get him in the weight room and then look let's see what he looks like two three years down the line and if it doesn't work out guess what man you can just replace him with someone else but to me looking at Ohio State what they've done on the defensive line he's a no-brainer I think
1: I'm still laughing at that analogy we might have to (laughs) I have to throw that one in the recycling bin and maybe maybe never bring it back up again. But hey, all worth a try here. All right, Drew. A couple other names. I bet Amari Williams, huh? the the reclass from 25 to 24, the edge rusher out of the state of Florida, Florida State with the crystal ball there. And speaking of Florida State, three star quarterback Trevor Jackson will be, excuse me will be walking on in Tallahassee at Florida State. That is the current pulse of that recruitment, Drew. I just want to kind of get your initial reaction to that one. We've been up, down, all around. It's been a crazy ride with him from him impressing at the Elite 11 to him really not playing much as a senior. He was committed to Ole Miss. Ole Miss has got a handful of quarterbacks, right, Uh, decommits. And we always wonder where he was going to end up. And now we have it. He ends up at Florida State. As a preferred walk-on, maybe the highest ranked preferred walk-on uh in industry history. We're gonna have to look that up. But your thoughts on that one?
0: I don't I don't know if it's official, but I think the pulse is he is going to walk on at FSU. I believe he's also uh an early enrollee. I know there was some group of five schools that were fighting until The 11th hour during that early signing period, right? Remember, it's three days. We always focus on that Wednesday, but it goes until Friday night. And they were fighting and fighting and fighting for Trevor Jackson uh, to sign paperwork. And and they held out. I think they were hoping to see, you know, after the coaching carousel, who would be looking for a, a quarterback. And I don't really know if there were a ton of options to me for Florida State. I mean, this is this is quite the quite the steal. I mean, Trevor Jackson has not played a ton of football junior season, was derailed a little bit by injury, made a really interesting decision as a senior to transfer schools, wasn't guaranteed the starting job, ended up working behind a a 2026 there at Orlando Jones that has some offers. Uh, And they would use Trevor Jackson as a runner, especially in the state playoffs. I think he ran for uh, over 102 games. One of those was a regional final and a higher classification. I mean, he's a dynamic athlete, but he is someone that just needs the live reps, and he really – didn't get them. So for Florida state, you bring him in, right? He's not taking one of your 85 counters. Um, And I think it's, it's ideal because Trevor has to realize, all right, I'm going to be working with the scout team and that's what he needs. He needs to be uh, practicing as much as he can. He needs to be facing a live pass rush. He needs to be in some interesting situations. So I think for Mike Norvell, Florida state, this makes uh, a ton of sense. Um, And if he does pan out, right, he does take the next step, then you just put him on scholarship. Um, We've seen other guys do that uh, in the past, you know, these walk on quarterbacks. So for Florida State, I think you should be grinning right now that you got this guy because, you know, while he might be a little rough on the edges, I mean, the flashes have been there. He won the he won the rail shot challenge at the Elite 11 finals. Like Cooper, he threw a better football Uh, in that setting than Caleb Williams, if if I'm I'm remembering correctly. (laughs)
1: which is pretty crazy, right? That that guy who won a Heisman trophy going to be the number one uh, draft choice this upcoming draft as well. But yeah, Trevor Jackson, interesting story. I've always been a guy that's has been a big proponent of him, a big believer in him. I think it's, you know, circumstantial uh, when it comes to his situation and maybe why he has not enjoyed the on-field success that you would expect from somebody as talented as him, but nonetheless, good recognition by Mike Norvell, his staff, Uh, to recognize the type of player and the caliber of potential uh, that a player like Trevor Jackson has, just get him on your roster, get them some reps, the expectations are low, and let them develop. And if you're Trevor Jackson, like you said, Drew, the intrigue is that, yeah, you're going to play at a Power 5 program, but if it does not work out, right, what better place to be than Florida State where you can then eventually transfer, and there could be a hotter market for you at that time. I'm also pretty interested to see if this is one of those PWOs, maybe uh, Florida State was running up against the cap with their 85 and said hey we'll throw you a little bit of nil money come here we'd love to find a way to get you involved and then we'll figure it out as we go so that's the uh landscape of college football in the world that we are living in today the best players available in 2024 like that segment like i said the oyster boys will be on every tuesday and wednesday how about every monday well you can find the 24 7 sports college football recruiting show that would be on five o'clock eastern time as well Emily Proud, Blair Ingulo, giving you everything you need to know around college football and college football recruiting as well. Great show. Make sure to give those guys a follow. All right, Drew, we've gone through the portal. We've gone through 2024. Now it's 2025, right? we got to get ready for the next cycle as well. And we've talked a lot about the things that have led to uh, the transaction wire and a lot of guys committing and decommitting as we go. But let's start at the top. Top three, four, seven edge Zion Grady from the Montgomery area, the number twenty-six player in the country, the number three edge. Well, guess what? He d- decommitted from Alabama today. Uh, Drew, I think a, a guy that in the evaluation process we're still trying to figure out. Right, high motor, very productive in terms of the developmental upside. We'll see. Right, this is uh, this is going to be a guy that we're going to continue to monitor over the next year or so. But uh, Drew. You know, we, we talked enough about Caleb Downs and Kane Proctor to maybe understand why some of these defections are happening. Uh, who's to gain for somebody like Zion Grady going back in the market?
0: I think it's Auburn, right? Tom Lloyd just wrote a story on 247sports.com. Uh, Grady was on the planes. I mean, we didn't really discuss that in Tuesday's episode. We, uh, we we highlighted schools that could take advantage, and I think we notably left out Auburn when that was a breakaway layup. I mean, maybe it was just an oversight for us, but Hugh Freeze has done excellent recruiting in-state since he has stepped in there. Um, and now with Nick Saban not looking over his shoulder, I think he's only going to have more success in the yellow hammer state uh Zion Grady you know I view him as a stand-up kind of three four edge rusher you know want to see him at some point on the camp circuit offseason circuit just to get the body type uh this spring you know how big can he get can he carry 255 can he get to 265 you know what does he look like uh, in terms of there but his ability to get to the quarterback Two-time Class 5A Defensive Lineman of the Year. Uh, Past two seasons, 50 pressures, 32 sacks, 63 tackles for loss. I think he's a little more finesse than he is uh, kind of – Edge masher at this stage, but it's easy to see why Auburn's looking. Uh, and Tom Loy also pointed out Georgia and Florida State set to get visits here um, with the contact period open. I mean, kids can visit schools. Had a bunch of junior days last weekend. We got more junior days on deck this weekend.
1: Not the only damage done to the Crimson Tide in the last 24 hours. How about top 247 Edge? Javian Hilson, number 46 player in the country, number four Edge right there behind Zion Grady. Guess what? He flips from Alabama to florida state right we've talked a lot about the teams uh that could be uh ready to pounce here and we've talked a lot about georgia we've talked a lot about auburn florida state getting in on the action here Drew, this kind of coincides with the conversation that we just had we're talking about the number three and number four edge rushers in the country albeit a lot can change over the next year and this is a 2025 cycle that we're talking about But these are like these are premium positions. You know what I'm saying? Even though that these guys are in the boat early, it doesn't take away from the importance of having these type of players in your program.
0: How about Alabama? Right. All the way down, they've fallen from number three a week ago. I think they were number three uh, in the 2025 cycle, Their recruiting class. When Nick Saban announced that he uh, was retiring, or news broke, they are now sitting number twenty seventh. I mean, there's only there's only a handful of guys still committed. I thought all along that 2025 group um, was promising. I mean, there were some difference makers in there. It felt a little bit different than the 2024 recruiting class. Maybe it was tracking to be more like 2023. Uh, when they brought in uh, Downs and Proctor, who have become the theme of this episode. But Hilson, guy I saw in person uh, during the season when Coco took on St. Thomas Aquinas in one of the most controversial endings uh, I don't know if you remember me talking about that, Cooper, when the referees essentially awarded St. Thomas Aquinas a win. But he's got a long frame, right? Long frame, multi-sport kid, 5'10 in the high jump, 11'2", in the 100-meter dash. Why is that important? Uh, I always talk about it. You look at NFL draft trends. A lot of the pass rushers getting selected have promising track and field data. Javion Hilson has that. 97 tackles, 14 sacks. Three forced fumbles for Coco this season. They ended up winning a state title uh, in Florida. I think he's a bit rigid at times, but he covers a a ton of ground, builds momentum, uh, and he can change directions. So, growth potential is there with Hilson. And how about Florida State? Number 11 class right now in 2025. All four of the commits are from the state of Florida. They got Solomon Thomas locked up. He's a kid out of the Jacksonville area. Our number one ranked interior offensive lineman, and then Ethan Pritchett, kind of a versatile back seven guy. Maybe a linebacker, could be a safety, and Tremel Jones, a quarterback. I really like this group um, uh, for Mike Norvell. You know, parlaying that season they had uh, into some some success. In the state of Florida, you know, right now, Uh, a good start for the Seminoles.
1: Yeah, trying to capitalize on the year that they had throughout the Orange Bowl, right? Had a tremendous year. The good thing about Mike Norvell and that Florida State program, everything that they've done, whether it be the transfer portal, whether it be the high school ranks, they've just continued to ascend. They've gotten better and better. Better and better every year. Uh, Part of the reason they're paying Mike Norvell $10 million a year now. So another big pickup from them. uh, Drew, two more uh, this time, not decommitments, but commitments. About Terry and Grant, number 51 player in the country, number six corner out of the state of Tennessee, Murfreesboro. He's going to play for guess who? Ryan Walters, how about that big one for Purdue and the Boilermakers? And then Jalen Wiggins, top two, four, seven defensive line, big physical specimen out of the state of Florida. He's going to stay home and play for the Gators. Drew, your thoughts? Quick thoughts on those two guys?
0: Terry and Grant, um, this one's this one's fun. He'd be the second highest ranked signee all time for Purdue still early in the 2025 cycle i mean we'll see how the rankings shake out but he is a long reactionary corner listed at 6 foot 4 i would say he's probably closer to 6 foot 3 6 foot 2 uh but elite track times this guy can run lacks a little bit of ball production i don't think a ton of passes have come his way but for a guy that is as lean and as narrow as he is he's got some impressive poa tape in terms of his ability to make tackles. I don't know. This one kind of fires me up about Purdue, just them going into sec country uh, and getting grant committed. Now they're going to have to hold on to him, but it's a big deal. And Purdue, we saw Marco De Villa at the all American bowl. their 2024 quarterback. I think me and you are both fans, not only of him, but of the fit there in uh, West Lafayette. And then Coy Beasley top two, four, seven safety. He's turning some heads out at the Polynesian bowl. So Purdue kind of getting it done on the talent acquisition front. They've also done it in the transfer portal as well.
1: Yeah, they're doing some things. They're they're pretty uh, sneaky. You know, I like what Ryan Walters is doing. Obviously, they didn't have the year that he would have liked in his first year. Jamari Payne, uh, another highly rated three-star defensive lineman out of the state of Alabama. So, Purdue, a team to watch. I love the success that they had in the state of Tennessee this past year as well. Damon Marble, another guy that I really like. So, Purdue, team to watch. Florida adding another guy that I think kind of checks their boxes, right? Jalen Wiggins. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a – watered-down version. I want to be careful here of a guy like Zach Harrison, uh, the former five-star who played at Ohio State, a guy that could play on the edge, ended up moving inside, more of a linear, explosive type of player, but a guy, nonetheless, that I think will be a productive player for for Florida in the Gators. Drew, that about wraps it up. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Coop, I
0: was going to bring this up earlier on, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, right? Out of all the true freshman offensive linemen that kind of played, this past season uh, how many of these guys have been in the transfer portal or or, or are in the transfer portal uh you had Caden Green going from Oklahoma to Missouri we don't know where Lance Hurd's going to end up now you got Caden Proctor i mean me and you are kind of like pound the table uh about building your offensive line through the high school ranks cuz it's not easy to get these guys in, in the transfer portal i mean do you have any any raw reaction to that is is this just kind of an uh, unusual year with the coaching changes or, or whatnot, but it, it seems unfortunate for these these schools that had been invested in these big bodies up front that they're just going to potentially
1: lose them to someone else. A little bit of both. I, I think Alabama is a little bit circumstantial, but at least the early feedback that we've gotten on the Caden Proctor situation is that Iowa is a team to watch and if you go back to the recruitment it goes back to yesterday's show right why is it so important even if you don't sign them the first time around to have really strong relationships with these players well you're, you're seeing it right now and the other one would be caden green originally from the state of missouri enrolls at oklahoma ends up playing half the season starting at oklahoma there's some conversations whether or not he's going to be a tackler or a guard how that potentially played into it I don't know. The only thing that I can really kind of put together is that both of these guys, at least one of them right now, and the other one looks like he's going to follow suit, they're heading home, right? So uh, without that common denominator, which I think the common denominator in this particular situation was Caden Proctor, I I think you're seeing the Alabama situation kind of play out where Maybe guys were unsure where they were going to end up. Maybe Caleb Downs really didn't know whether it was going to be Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, or Alabama. But at the end of the day, the thing that put him over the edge was Nick Saban. And with Nick Saban gone, why are they there? Right? Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of the question mark. So I think a lot of those guys are maybe looking at themselves in the mirror, having that internal conversation that they maybe had a little less than a year ago and saying, you know what, i got, I got to recalibrate here. Is this the best spot for me? to spend the next two to three years. And when it comes to offensive linemen, um, I don't know. Caden Green's situation seems a lot different than Caden Proctor's. I understand why Caden Proctor would make the decision that he made.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I just think of this kind of – I can always use the term current landscape, all right, but where we're at, you know, if you're going to get one of these premium offensive linemen, you got to play them, right? You have to play them because the people that are – uh, supporting your program, uh, have made a financial commitment. They're going to want to see those guys on the field. Um, I, so I don't know. <laughs> Are we going to get to a point where you can you can tag a player uh, <laughs> and, and prevent them from just walking freely? I, I, I'm not sure. It seems like the NCAA has gone in the other direction.
1: Yeah, and, and the other thing I would say is just because they've hit the portal doesn't mean they made the right decision. Right. Like, I, I think the Zalance Lance situation is a guy playing with his food that he really can't afford uh, to do that. Zalance Lance we love, right? Like coming out as a big, uh, I wouldn't call it developmental, but as a guy who had all the raw elite traits, played a little bit as a freshman. He's on offensive line with Will Campbell, who he played with in high school. Emory Jones is a guy that's got tackle guard versatility. And then he's out of there and you look at what LSU's done in the offensive line, especially under Brad Davis, that's a situation that you want to leave when there's a clear path for you somewhere in the next uh, you know, six to 12 months to kind of see how that plays out, right? So you are willing to put that long-term upside uh, in a vulnerable position for a short-term gain, whether that's going to a place like Tennessee, Oklahoma, or somewhere else where you don't know where it's going to shake out. It could work out for you, and if it does and you get paid more money in the meantime... Congratulations, but you know that type of risk assessment. I think is something that needs to come in, uh, come into play a little bit more. I don't think it is. I think you got a lot of people and these young kids here say, you know what? Hey, there's more money on the table right now. I can get a piece of that slice of pie as well. You're missing out potentially on millions, millions of dollars down the line because you're looking for early playing time and maybe forty or fifty thousand dollars more. Uh, that I don't understand. And I think there's going to be uh, a little bit of an equilibrium. I think a little bit of a balance over the next couple of years where, you know what, I would tip my hat to the guys, what we talked about earlier, John Talty, about him talking about, Hey, yeah, these players are going to Alabama because, uh, at a discounted rate, because they knew that they were going to be developed. I, I think players are now going to look at their situation and say, you know, what is, Fifty dollars to $75,000 worth me seeing the field immediately when I know that I'm getting coached and developed by the right person right now who's going to have my best long-term interest. And I think that needs to be more of the conversation than what it currently is right now. And I think you'll start to see a balance, but it is not there right now. I mean, we got agencies and tweets and we got all this foolishness. It is wild uh, and it's absurd. And, y- you know, you guys talking about business decisions and all that. I get it. Do what you got to do. But understand that the other shoe is going to drop at some point as well. So we will leave on that rant. Guys, thank you for watching. <laughs> and we appreciate our 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, as always, Andrew Ivins. Make sure to follow us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. We will be back next week. And like I said, make sure you are locked into 24-7 Sports, whether it's 247sports.com or or the YouTube channel. Guys, we appreciate you hanging with us, and we'll see you next week.